everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Done With The Scar. I'm your host, Linda Dunn-Carter, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anne Guetta, and a very special guest, the cosmetic therapist, marriage and family counselor, Radia Ali. Today's discussions revolve around the mental health aspects of cosmetic surgery. It's going to be a good one. Radia, we're really excited to dig into this conversation today and have you as our guest. Linda and I are huge mental health advocates, so we can't wait to dig into this subject. But before we get started, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into this arena of cosmetic therapy. I feel like people don't even know it's a real thing. Well, thank you for having me. And the way that I actually got into this is I myself had a tummy tuck. I went overseas. I went to Dominican Republic. And I was actually finishing my master's at the time. And it was me saying I I was done having children. I had thought about it for a long time and I wanted to do something for myself. And while I was there, I started noticing different people going into surgery and coming back into the recovery house. I stayed at a recovery house and when they were coming back in, some were hallucinating. They were saying things that I, I think was very much out of their normal behavior that we had seen in the house. They were behaving differently, saying stuff out of their, you know, just their norm. And I started not diagnosing, but noticing these things reminded me of other things I had been studying. And when I got back home, I had left the Facebook groups. I were in some groups for information. I had done my research for a long time. And I noticed there were so many other people in these groups, you know, just saying they were so depressed, what they call depression. They were so depressed or they had these great results. And they still couldn't figure out what was going on or they couldn't figure out why they would just, you know, say things after coming out of the anesthesia and that had carried on for days. But nobody was talking about it with a professional. And they didn't really know where to go. I would suggest therapy and the rebuttal was always, but they don't get it. They're in therapy or they try therapy and the therapist just doesn't understand the process of cosmetic surgery. And they felt that the They couldn't relate. So you really created a niche for yourself in this arena, which was not established. And people were seeing therapists, but they weren't getting it. So you saw that there was a need for this. That's that's pretty impressive. Thank you. And that's really what how it kind of transitioned. We had no one to talk to. Your doctor really isn't seeing you after the, you know, you're lucky if you see your doctor after surgery. You barely see them before, depending on the doctor. They don't know anything about post-op usually, so they're sending you out to a a massage therapist or a a licensed therapist for your post-op. So imagine going to them and you're, you're devastated and you already can't get an email back for maybe a complication. They really don't want to deal with the mental health portion of it. And their answer is always trust the process. But what does trust the process mean? We say that all the time, trust the process. But then we don't break down what trust the process means. That's going to be very scary for the, the patient to not have that interaction with somebody who can guide them, help them, especially, especially if something goes wrong. And I know that's got to be uh, in, in you're flying to another country and, and you come back here. Who do you go to? What do you do? When is the best time for people to come to you after their surgery, before their surgery? to start getting the coaching or the therapy that they think that they might need. They might not even know they need it. Tell us a little bit about when is the best time to contact you. 
I would definitely say when you start thinking about going for surgery, and it could be any surgery, it could be a, a your nose, it, right. it could be anything. And I, I say that to say this, we don't always know we haven't done enough research. How do you know you haven't done enough research until after you needed the research that you didn't do, right? And you're like, damn, I didn't know. How many things do we say in our life? I didn't know that I didn't know. I didn't even know that this existed. I remember going to college, which I do nothing of my associates or my bachelor's. And I remember going for my associates in accounting. And just when I was done, I had discovered so many other careers. And I actually remember what classroom I was in and looking around and saying, damn, I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And this is all that I see. I see people who have already had their meltdowns, right? They've already, they've, they already have been looking in the mirror and hate what they see for many, many years. And then I finally get them. And I am basically their therapist. I am taking them through the process and we are working on this together. And it's so rewarding to watch them crawl out of that shell and back into something that resembles a normal life for them. Right. So they, yes, they've already had their meltdowns. They've already been so disgusted with, you know, what they see. And it takes people many years to find me and that's doing their research. So it would be amazing if people could communicate with you prior to, you can ask them about their expectations and then either bring them down or lift them up. Because exactly. they, they have so many different ideas, but what is realistic? And I talk me, about that all the time. Realistic expectations. Are you picking the surgeon because he was on sale? Mm-hmm. Are you picking the surgeon because mm-hmm. they match your body type? Do they match your skin color? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my skin might not perform the same as someone as a, a, maybe a darker tone or a lighter tone. Sure, sure. We can't compare to anybody else that had surgery by that person. Oh, he's a good doctor, but you might not get the same results. There's so many variables, obviously, with skin types. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. I, I see, you know, I'm working on the other side of, of, you know, what, you know, the bad, you know, from cosmetic surgery. There's, you know, not everybody has horrible scars, but I mean, that's just what I do. So I see horrible scars. And when they come to me, and they tell their story and they can't look in the mirror because they hate what they see. Now, mind you, they went into surgery to have a better feeling about themselves. They went into surgery to, in, in hopes that it would give them a better life mentally, physically, everything. And then they come back out with a new problem. So they just was trading in one thing for another. You know, look at these horrible scars. And then they become depressed and then they remove themselves from everything that was normal for them. They hide. So that's, that's deep. That's deep. And the, the emotions that run through them and they have nowhere to go is it just takes them down further. So where, where do you come in and how do you, how do you guide them? How do you, how do you just give an example of what you do when somebody comes to you? When they first come to me, mm-hmm. we fill out a questionnaire. And it's really me assessing 
what they're coming in for. I always ask about previous surgeries. Mm-hmm. I want to know when, what years they were in, how many, how many revisions. I have seen some come in as they come in and they say, oh, I had my nose done at 16 and again at 18 and again at 24. And it's like, it's a little concerning. It raises a red flag for me because we're, you know, that's where the body dysmorphia sometimes comes in because we're looking at someone who has a perceived problem in their image that doesn't actually exist to the, um, the normal person. So to them, they might have, might be a little scar on the nose or something. And to them, it is, oh my God, if I don't, if I don't fix this or if it's I don't. It's monumental. This, yeah. They, they become, very yes. about it. yeah, yeah I, I get a lot of that. Yeah, they become very depressed about it and it affects their self-esteem and they can't, you know, do the normal things that they've always been involved in because this kind of takes over. So I think it's a great point that you made that coming to see you preoperatively so they can get some mental coaching because they're not getting it from their doctors, of course. And who do they go see? And then they come see Linda for scar vision. But if they were in a better headspace, when they got to Linda, that also helps too. It works hand in hand. Absolutely. But you could be seeing a therapist. Let's say you're seeing a therapist, but you're seeing the therapist for, let's just say, couples therapy. You and your, your partner are going for couples therapy, right? At what point does that enter in to the conversation? It might never surface. So I often work with other therapists. Some people see two therapists. You might see me for one thing, and you might still go to your couple's therapist for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of times couples therapy will just address the issues in the marriage, but the way that... In the, in the husband, relationship. Right, in the relationship. Right, or in the relationship, but the, the partner may not see or understand or have that kind of empathy for what the other person is going through with their cosmetic surgery scars issues. So it would be prudent and wise to, to seek out a therapist such as yourself. Let me, let me paint a picture. So let's say you thought about going for plastic surgery, not saying it, it, it's your first or your second or your third. You're just having the thought, I want to go. Average Joe, I definitely push to see someone in the industry that can guide you for pre. You don't necessarily need a, a marriage and family therapist or a mental health professional to guide you for the pre journey, but you need someone that's definitely a coach to take you through those motions. Where I come in is I want you to see me just to do a check, just check in. There's so many people that say, I don't, you know, I don't have anything wrong. I don't have any complaints. My life is fabulous. Okay. Everybody has something. Everybody has something going on. And I think you should see a therapist at any point, but definitely research is important. And I, see the majority of my clients that have done nothing or they did very little and say, well, I did the research. And when you really start to talk to them, they haven't done any. It's really very superficial research. They looked on real self. They read three great reviews and they're sold. Okay. What, what are they coming into you for? Are they coming in for body dysmorphia? Are they coming in for the scarring or are they coming in because they were very much overweight and now they have an hourglass figure and they don't know what to do with it. Ah. For all of that, Linda, they're coming in for yeah, all that, of that. I, that's I, a great I, problem to have, by the way. <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. You go through the transition exactly. and, yeah. and you are mentally still in that old body 
and you're still covering it up with, with layers and layers. And it's like, you haven't accepted yet that you had gone through the transition and that that's where the therapy comes into play. I think that's a big thing, a big, big thing. And people, I see these beautiful bodies and, and, you know, they show the before and I'm like, wow, you know, (laughs) that's awesome. And, you know, how do they feel about it? How do they shop for clothes? How do they feel about people looking at them and them getting the attention that, that they get? That's part of what I help them with when they come to me for coaching for the pre and the post. Part of Mm -hmm. coming with me is that we have a very, I want to say a long list of things that we go over, uh, retraining our brains and preparing for what we think that we want. Like if we say, okay, you've gone through it, you might not necessarily have BDD. You're just like, okay, I'm going on the weight loss journey. I've already been approved. And you already went through that clearance. Cosmetic patients don't have to get a clearance from a mental health professional. They can just get the surgeon to do the the surgery. I used to work years ago in the cosmetic surgery field. And, you know, if my doctor would ask me to kind of screen these people out because, you know, a patient would come in maybe for a facelift to save her marriage. And he'd be like, I don't know, you know, she's going to be unhappy afterwards. So there was no mental health. You know, I was like the mental health coach and I'm not certified. Well, see, like if you, you do it for all the wrong reasons, then you're going to have issues with it afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's why coming to a mental health professional prior to is very important. Besides the research portion, besides the plastic surgery portion of coaching, seeing a therapist for real therapy is very important. And it's for those reasons. You can change a million things on the outside. You can't mentally just change overnight where I can right, go in right. and it's, fix it's, anything. It's the same mindset. It's the same behaviors you have every day. It's I'm thinking that you have to change your whole lifestyle when you go from this to that. You do. And, I encourage them to and, do, and, um, and, and lose the bad habits and all of that. So I mean, I'm sure you you would touch on that. Oh, absolutely. I I try to get them to start with maybe like a digital mood board or these boards where they're trying to, the image that they want physically, does it match mentally? Sure. Have Have you started to change your wardrobe? Have you started to change your diet? Yes. Because I'm a strong believer of root cause. I feel that if you don't change your diet and your nutrition, uh, if you're not getting your your blood level checks, if you're not doing all those things, that surgery that you're about to have, it's not going to mean anything in like two years because you might go back to the same. Yeah, no, that's a really good point that you're making that uh, they really do have to adjust their lifestyle. So I have a question for Radia. What would you say kind of is your mantra for your arena? Is there a mantra that you have, you know, when, when you're advising your patients? So I also say trust the process, but, but trust us in the process, you and I through the process. I think when we do our research, we need to be looking at what are the entryways if it's body surgery? How does this plastic surgeon scar you? Do we know what to do if we get a lipo burn? Do we know what to do if we, we get all these other things? So it's trust the process. Trust that we're going to get through it. And are, are you really busy? It seems like you would be you know, having people out the door. It seems like this, this is, you know, such an awesome thing. It's such an awesome thing that 
I, I feel it's very, very important. And to protect their investment, I mean, I think a lot of people might just assume that once I have the surgery, that's it. There's so many other things that come in, you know, to protect that investment is, is the therapy, is the, uh, the scar revision, or do you have a scar plan? We talk about that a lot. How are we going to lessen the, the appearance of that scar afterwards? And of course, you know, we know that doctors don't really discuss that too much. Everybody, I would say 90% of, <laughs> None of, of, my, of my patients say the doctors never said anything about scarring. They never discussed anything about the scar, how to care for it, what I was to um, look forward to. I definitely see 90% of them don't have a plan. They don't have a plan for anything. Right. But that's part of what I, when they come to me, that's part of what we go over. We need to change. Are you, ask, are you asking the doctor, what do I do afterwards? What should I apply? Or what are the processes to this? You know, they put them in a binder and they send them out the door and you might see a med assistant two more times for your follow-up when they're removing maybe some staples or, uh, you know, depending on the facility. Mm-hmm. They don't have a plan. Doctors don't know post-op. For Mm -hmm. most part, they don't know post-op. And I say that in the most humblest way. You know, I I feel like a lot of them don't give them enough written guidance either, like a manual to follow. Mm -hmm. Wear your faha for this many days. If you have a nose job, there's certain massages that they could be doing. Mm -hmm. They don't give them a list of recommended massage therapists either. There's so many doctors that don't recommend And it's like, well, if you're not going to do it in-house long-term, why don't you have a network of trusted people that you're able to refer them to? Because you're taking their money. Well, I I asked that why question. I've been asking it for a long time, 15 years, as a matter of fact, because why don't you suggest that they go see Linda Dunn-Carter after their surgery? It's just, and, and wouldn't it relieve them of anybody coming back to them you know, with issues. I mean, you don't want that person to come back and like, you know, my scar is this, my scar, you know, hand it off to somebody who can take care of it, number one. And I would, as a patient, be very relieved if you told me that, oh, don't worry, we have Linda Dunn Carter to take care of your scar. So you want to contact her so that you can get to her. You're definitely part of my pre-op. Because yes, I, yes. I tell them, I tell everyone, I stand on my soapbox and I sing it and I let them know mm-hmm. I recommend you. And the way that I actually came across you is I was in a Facebook page and we were talking about, I want to say someone was talking about scarring or, or something. And it was mm-hmm. just me scrolling. And I was like, who's that? And the girl was like, she's just the queen. And I was like, <laughs> the scar queen. <laughs> but she didn't say, she just said the queen. And I was like, of England? Who are we talking about? <laughs> and she, she actually added your Instagram link, your direct link into the feed. That's how I got on your page. I wasn't in the industry. I was a patient. You know, I was still in school. Mm-hmm. And I came across your page. And ever since I'd been a supporter, I would always comment and all of these things. Wow. And I think we started connecting from there. That was the first sort of conversation you were looking for. I think right before that, you were looking for some volunteers for something. But I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, uh, I'm not sure what she does. Like, how do I know for sure? And I was so new to your page. I wasn't sure. And I was like, no, I kind of chickened out. And then mm-hmm. later on, when, as I kept following you and you kept putting up more educational videos and posts, I said, oh, my God, what an opportunity I wasted by mm-hmm. not going yeah. in. 
Linda um, has so much education on her posts. It's amazing. I, I feel that, I mean, if, if anything, if they trip up on my page and they read one thing and that one thing sticks, I've done my job. And I just don't think that there's enough out there. There's, I, I see more and more of it because I guess I'm following more pages that, you know, that are relatable to what it is that I do. So I think if we work as a team, we can get people through this with flying colors. I, I, really, I, I don't love seeing people coming in and, and just being so sad about how they look. It, it just, it breaks my heart and I'm there to change that for them. So you would think that there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders to be able to get them from point A to point B, but I don't feel it at all. So it, it's pretty fascinating. Um, one thing I wanted to mention to Radia, I, I don't think she knows this, but Linda established the first SCAR hotline in the country. And it's pretty amazing because it's an anonymous hotline. Anybody can call in. And the number is 1-866-SCAR-TALK. That's 1-866-SCARTLK. They can call in and ask questions about their scars. We're getting a lot of preoperative calls now on the line almost daily, and they are wanting a SCAR plan, and I think that's great. So we can also connect them with Radia for their mental cosmetic therapy as well. It makes sense. Radia, do you charge for your services? I do. Okay. Um, So I do. If they come directly through a plastic surgeon's office, like a direct referral, they get a lower rate, a reduced rate versus a regular therapy rate. If it's if they're coming for therapy, the coaching is a a set amount. I might offer lower slots throughout the month if I have an opening or if I have someone that says, you know what, I, I don't need I don't think I need this plastic surgery anymore. And they stop coming. And I'm okay with that. Okay, they actually talk themselves out of it. Well, kind of, right? We've kind of worked on the root issues. Okay. I've had a few people just say, I, I really don't think I want this anymore. Where they initially wanted to, to do X, Y, and Z. And when we start talking, we realize you probably should have been in therapy a long time ago. Or maybe they were going through some of these other things that wasn't really fixable with just getting a nose job or just getting a hair transplant or, you know, what, whatever it is. They it was, think it was deeper than that. Exactly. They're, yeah. they're having uh, relationship issues. We see a lot of relationship issues. Yeah. I definitely see a lot of people that have these great, great bodies. They've got a perfect nose. They have, you know, their fillers are awesome. And they're still like, I still feel down and I don't understand why. I don't understand how wow. I still feel sad. Do you, you know, I attribute a lot of this to that. I call it Instagram unreality. And, you know, uh, Linda and I have talked about this and bantered about this. But, you know, people go on Instagram and see all these perfect people. And it's like, you know, they're all using filters and they want to look like this celebrity or that celebrity. And then they go through all the process, but they're not happy because, like you said, they didn't address the root cause. That's another great point. There's so many filters. There's so many... Uh, celebrities and influencers that are, you know, not only are they having surgery and denying it, they have surgery, they deny it, and then they Photoshop it. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only can they not achieve it, you'll never be able to achieve that because they can't even do it. Yeah, it's a filter. And then that ends up causing, I shouldn't say causing, but it ends up 
creating body dysmorphia. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then they come in with pictures. I want to look like Kim Kardashian or I want to, you know, have this nose or that nose. You know, people have to be honest about their expectations with their surgeon if they're going to go through with the surgery and have the, the nose or the breasts or whatever that's going to fit their body. And, you know, that's... What a that's, great point. Fit your body. Fit your body. And that's part of being mentally ready for surgery. That's a part of doing your research. It's a part of understanding things should be proportionate. I feel like a lot of surgeons need to be held accountable too when these patients come out with what look like, I call them buoys. So when they get the breast surgery and they just look like floaters and it's like, who did this? Why? <laughs> I mean, super unrealistic. The things we see online, it's like, why would someone, yeah, I don't care how much money they're paying you. I don't care how much they begged you and cried in your office. Why would you do that? I feel like you're doing them a disservice. That's a harm to patients. Yeah, a surgeon that's just going to give you what you want and not be honest about what fits your body. And, you know, I always, if people ask me when they call on the SCAR hotline and they, you know, they need recommendations of surgeons, I always tell them to consult with at least three. Okay, you need to consult with three, find your best match because do your research, have your SCAR plan, but have your questions ready because one consult is not going to do it. It might not be the surgeon for you. You should never do one consult. You should be shopping around because let me give you a great example. If you only do buckle fat removal and chin lipo as a surgeon, that's my specialty and that's what I do. You might not realize some surgeons just have an eye for that. That's what they do. They have their specialty and that's it. But another surgeon might see you and say, you know what? Before you do that, you need to address the hollows in your eyes. You need to address your temples going in a little bit. Because if you do the buckle fat removal and whatever else on your face with that surgeon, you're going to emphasize the other things. So sometimes things need to be done in steps and in certain steps to get the look that you're trying to achieve. But when you talk to different surgeons, sometimes they can give you a better idea. There's a a really helpful person in the industry and she just recently came out with her story. And I remember looking at her story and saying, that makes so much sense. It was her really saying I had got, she had gotten, um, two or three opinions. And the second doctor that works on bodies pointed out the thing on her. She had mentioned, oh, I'm going to be in Colombia doing my face. And she said, no, you, you should probably address this and that because it's going to emphasize the other things first. Right, right. It should yeah. be done in steps. Yeah, more, more consultations. And, and it's okay if you have to pay for them. It's, it's worth it. You don't want to have to be disappointed afterwards or have any surprises. I'm very skeptical of these free consults that, that they advertise. A doctor I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Well, some, I, some doctors I aren't busy enough. They're not popular enough. I don't know. find it really hard to charge because <sighs> do I have the demand? to charge. I found that the the ones that I know and work with charge because it's their time and they are busy. And I, I think that's a valid point, you know, that, you know, if you're giving out free consultations when you're getting started, that's okay. But your time as right. a surgeon is worth it. And I feel like, you know, people need to pay that consult fee to have the 30 minutes with the surgeon. I definitely don't knock it, but I yeah, I've been overseas. So I know a lot of the time the overseas doctors give you the consultation, maybe on Zoom, or let's say they use WhatsApp or, you know, whatever method they use. Right. A lot of times they're not going to charge you because it's overseas. Well, why are so many people going out overseas to have surgery? That's kind of been a, a trend that I've been noticing with a lot of people calling on the SCAR hotline. 
I think they've always been going. They always just, have. I just don't know it. Well, it's, it's they've less, always been going. It's less expensive. The money factor. You know, you asked me what's my mantra, and I don't think I have a mantra, but I definitely have one another piece of advice. I'd say we don't shop based off of price. We shop based off result because I can pay the big surgeon in Beverly Hills $30,000 and I can look like I barely got touched and I can pay someone else $7,000. It's just starting off, but they're amazing. I think price should not be the determining factor in when you're getting plastic surgery. You need to look at the surgeons, consult with the surgeons, definitely read the reviews, talk to patients. You know, in the day, and I don't know about HIPAA now and what's going on, but we used to have a list of people that we would give to our potential patients to call and talk to them. I mean, you know, that's how it was. They can't do that now. HIPAA would definitely roll into that office. So they can't do that now. But I always tell people in the pre portion, get into some of the Facebook groups. You're going to get a lot more open information there and things are archived. You can go in and search. You can read. You can message someone. I'm not saying it's all good because it's not all, you know, it's like anything else. But I found a lot of great information in those groups. I found a lot of useful things that I could screenshot and I could save and I could reference to later that really helped me. Thank God I didn't have any complications. And if I had, I would have been able to call it. While I was in the recovery house, someone had a complication. I remember looking, she was maybe a couple of days post-op. And I remember looking before she went home and I said, you're going to get necrosis. And she's like, no, no, no. I pointed it out. And they just said that it was bruising. And I looked and I was like, it's not bruising. That's necrosis. Okay. Like it's going to turn into that because I did so much research. I could look and just say, here, I handed her some Anuka honey patches I had gotten from CVS. Okay. I said, I want you to put this on until you get home. When you get home, you buy more. But you see your primary at home. I can't say her name, but she messaged me a few weeks later. They were doing self-massaging. Her and her friend had went for a surgery. One went to the same surgeon I had went to. And she'd ended up losing her belly button. She spent a month oh, with a wound vac oh. on herself. Because it had turned into necrosis and she had developed an uh, infection on the inside of her stomach. Right, so when is- the person went down on her stomach, on her belly button, mm-hmm. all the fluid came out. She said it smelled like a dead body. Well, Linda sees a lot of those patients that come to her with horrible scars or, you know, sutures. From, from, from necrosis. I, I had three people yeah. this week in my consultations, three people that sent me their scars. And, but, it, you know, behind that is like, I almost died. That is what they said. I almost died. And I'm thinking this is more common than. She was in the than, hospital. This is a, than, a business than, owner. Yeah. A huge yeah, business no. owner. Yeah, yeah. A few kids, a husband, and she was in the hospital for, I think, a month. Yeah, no. When they they go to Columbia, they can't really just travel back, you know, to to see their surgeons. So that makes it a little more difficult. Yeah. Radia, what do you think is the biggest obstacle challenges in the cosmetic industry, in the cosmetic therapy industry? What do you think are the biggest challenges? So the biggest challenges that I see with uh, doing therapy in this particular niche would definitely be people not not staying in their lanes. I see a lot of massage therapists that turn into which they think they're mental health coaches. You, you're not sure. a mental health coach. You can be a, a wellness and health coach. And that's more of a task focused 
thing as being a coach. But when it comes to mental health, you should be seeing a mental health professional. And I don't think I don't think that their intentions are bad. I think they're seeing so many people that are going through these things. And like I said, you could see the perfect ones and they still don't understand why they're going through this. And you could see the botched ones. But you're seeing them firsthand the same way, Linda, that you see them firsthand uh, just fixing the scar. The therapist is seeing them a few days post-op. You're seeing them for a little while. You're treating them for a little while. This is not your, you know, it's kind of almost your friend. You know about her family and her dog and her kids and the neighbor and all of this stuff. And you want to help, but we just need to do it in the right way. And we all need to stay in our own lanes and not be afraid to accept some help from the right professionals. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely That's a great point. Yeah, Linda and I talk a lot because we see a lot of people doing so-called scar revisions and and it's not everybody needs to stay in their lane linda just does scars you do cosmetic therapy you know somebody else might do great makeup so everybody stay in their lane and then we can all get great results right Right. your your therapy sessions now we we touched on that a little bit in, in the beginning in the middle how long do they last like how quick can you get results or how long does it take? Are we talking like once a week, once a month for several months? Do people snap out of it quickly or does one thing turn into another thing? And, you know, it could, you know, it could come, it could stem from something from childhood. Mm -hmm. Something might've happened to you during childhood Mm -hmm. and you don't know what, what stemmed from that. What was food, your comfort. We we don't know. We don't know until we start to really get into it. The therapy process just depends on the individual. I can't say it will take six months. I can't say it'll take six weeks. I don't know how severe of a case it is. And then you might come to me and say, oh, I'm depressed. And then when we really get into it, it's not depression, Mm -hmm. right? So it depends on what it is. What's your willingness to really do the work? Are you willing to do the work? Radia, I just wanted to kind of return back to that conversation we started to have about body dysmorphia disorder. So I understand that you see that a lot. And I was watching recently, actually, an episode of Botched where there was this woman who had had maybe, I don't know, 15 surgeries. And she clearly had a case of body dysmorphia uh, you know, disorder. And she was coming again for another surgery. So how often do you see this? And what do you do about it? You know, what is your plan of attack? Or, or do, they, do they even think that they have a problem? So That's a great I point, mean, Linda. Yeah. Most people don't think that they have a problem. They're not necessarily coming in and saying, I, I think I have a problem in the beginning. If they do feel that they have a problem, it might be after a certain amount of surgeries that have already gone on. And now they're coming to us. Or now someone else has gotten involved and has supported them through this decision of coming to therapy. I do get a few doctors, a few surgeons' offices that will send me referrals here in Florida, but I personally don't think it's as much as it should be. I don't think there's that many plastic surgeons that are really sending the patients, like turning them away. Right. I have a, a friend and a patient friend. I befriend a lot of my patients. It's a wonderful thing. But I work on her scars, and I no sooner get through that scar and she- I show up to to work on her scars again, and she's had new surgery and then more surgery. 
and more surgery. And her boyfriend says, don't let her get that facelift. She's had like three of them and it's pulled so tight, but it's just constant. She's like, I'm going to get a facelift. There's nothing to lift. This is what I'm telling her, but I don't understand why it just doesn't stop. Because I think they just have deep seated. They'll never be happy. You know, it's like they just think more and more surgery will change their lives where, like Radia said, you have to get to the deep root of the problem first. Let's deal with that. And then we can get a facelift if we need it. But, you know, unnecessary surgery, you know, we used to turn people away all the time if they, if we saw red flags like that, you know. This well, I think that's wonderful. And that they'll go find somebody who will do it. They will. They will. But they not, will. But not, not in our office. They wouldn't because mm-hmm. our doctor said, you know, if you see a red flag and you think someone's not going to be happy, then, you know, let's, let's pass on this one. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's it's, a doctor. It, that's a doctor with integrity. That's a yeah. doctor that is more concerned with you than he is your dollar. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting. I want to go back to the point where you were saying, Roddy, about how people are seeking out you know, surgeons that may or may not do certain procedures, I think it's very important to touch on this, that when you're going for rhinoplasty, seek out a rhinoplasty surgeon, you know, somebody that does thousands and thousands and thousands, just like, just like Linda does thousands and thousands and thousands of scars. That's all she does. Okay, so you'll have a better chance of less complications if you go to somebody that does it all day long, same with liposuction, same with breasts, you know, back in the day, I'm talking 30 years ago, we had a, every guy in New York was specialized. Today, they're doing everything. You have surgeons doing breast, body, lipo, and I feel like that's lost, you know, that, that specialty. And, you know, I wish we could get back to that era because that, you know, you need to seek out and do your research. Exactly. I totally agree with that. I, but that's one of the things I tell them too. find someone that specializes in that. I don't think that when you're going, for example, for a tummy tuck and a BBL, you necessarily need to get your breast done at the same time. Me personally, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it in one round just so I could avoid the pain or, you know, whatever it is that they're thinking they're trying to, to eliminate. I don't, I don't really like it. I want to go to a a breast specialist that all he does all day, all night. I want the guy that dreams about boobs. That's the guy I want. <laughs> Linda dreams about scars. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I want the person. Nightmares. That, <laughs> Linda has nightmares about scars. <laughs> but I, I want the guy that's counting the boobs like little sheep when he's sleeping. But that's the thing is that, you know, why do you go to a face surgeon when you want to get your boobs done? You know, why not go to the guy that's just doing, you know, it's, it's really interesting. But what I found during COVID was that doctors started doing virtual consults, right? And I personally was thinking about getting rhinoplasty surgery. So I started DMing doctors from all over the country that I knew were in the industry, you know, that never knew me before and asking them about this specific surgeon. And they didn't, they didn't know where I, who I was, but they, they gave me their honest opinion. And I, I, th- I thought that was interesting that they were willing to even talk to me, not, you know, in this COVID era, but that I got a lot of information from that. Did you have your rhinoplasty? No, not yet. September. <laughs> do, you mean, do you mean you're surprised because it was over social media? 
I was surprised because these were real leaders in the industry. I'm talking about real, like a lot of plastic surgeons. I was talking to a lot of, you know, top derms in the industry. A lot of people are really, really famous. And who am I? You know, I'm just saying Guetta and I'm just sending them a DM and they're responding back to me and they're saying, you know, absolutely. You know, this guy is tops in his field, you know, and I got enough of that that I did more research. And then I said, okay, there's nobody that's going to touch my nose except for this guy. You know, I've, um, you know, I've, I've done enough research. Well, that's it. Research, research, and and consult. And consult. Exactly. Because you don't know, you might think you did all the homework until the back end post-op and you're like, oh, I didn't know. I always say to consult with someone else just mm-hmm. to make sure. And I don't mean someone, I don't mean a, like a nose doctor. I mean, one of us that are, that's in the industry that we know our stuff. It doesn't have to be a therapist for that. It could just be someone that's doing a cosmetic coaching, but make sure that they know their stuff. Make sure they've gone through the process that you're looking to go through. I also say that I don't have all the answers. I'm not an expert. There's always going to be someone that knows more than me. And I'm, I'm so open to learning, but I'm also very much aware that sometimes we need to refer out and sometimes we need to include other people in our journey. I just say that, like, make sure you're, you're consulting with somebody else that's not directly involved in the process. So to right. add to that, Radia, what would you say are the benefits of having cosmetic therapy? Some of the benefits of having cosmetic therapy, it, it, it could change someone that, let's say you want veneers because you've had a gap your whole life and it's, it's really just kind of bothering you. Right. But not to the point where it's disabling you, where you don't go out into public or you're not going to restaurants or you don't take pictures and taking the pictures. Sometimes that happens. You know, we don't we won't smile with, the, you know, our open teeth. But I think I would think just peace of mind, you know, just peace of mind and and proper direction. And mentally, you know, that you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's and you've done the most you can do. And I think with that. With all those things in play, everything is just going to be that much smoother. Yeah. When you've done your research, you're mentally ready and you have your SCAR plan in place for your post-operative, then everything should run smoothly, as Linda said. But that's where the collaboration comes in to play Mm -hmm. is that having all these experts out there that people have choices now, you know. And and that you can go to for advice because there's nothing worse than than having surgery and not being able to go back to your doctor and ask questions. Well, they're they're terrified of their surgeons. I mean, first of all, they don't have time a day. Right, right. So so that, that you just feel like... Wow, you know, I just they got your they, money. They did their surgery. They yeah, and I can't even get a phone call. You know, a phone call. So yeah, you start getting angry and you start getting resentful, and and all these emotions come into you, and you know, it's it just starts the cycle of oh gosh, you know, and especially if your scar is healing poorly and it in keloiding and all, all kinds of things, you know, you're going into complete distress. So and that's where when they find Linda in the 99th hour, we always say, you know, when they've done everything that they could do, been everywhere, tried to get back to their surgeon, and then they call on the scar hotline and they're like, how do I get to Linda? You know, because. Right. So, so how do you get to Radia? That's what I want to know. Radia, yeah. can you tell us, do you have a website? Do you, how do people reach out to you? I know you have a, a amazing Instagram. So can you just give us the rundown for that? So for right now, I think Instagram is the best way to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. It's the cosmetic therapist. 
the cosmetic therapist. I love that. It's I love very, that too. That's great. Yeah, it's very, very catchy. Well, we certainly appreciate talking to you today. Well, I this have, has been a great session. Really great. Right. A lot of, lot of good information as always. You have a, a very unique niche. I love that. I don't think there's too many people who know that they can go to therapy after surgery to deal with some of the the uh, implications from the surgery or how they're feeling or or just just to talk through with somebody when they're coming to me i'm really also preparing them for knowing like you go through different phases even post-op like i was saying earlier about when they're coming out of surgery and you could have perfect results you're still going to go through those post-op blues you go through the phases of what have i done to myself that's pretty much the first day post-op to maybe maybe about the first week you go through a, I don't recognize myself. That's probably week one through three. There's a, a portion of, have I made a mistake? Oh my God, I hate my body. That's probably like three through six. And then from week six to maybe, maybe about six months, you're going, you're loving your results because your swelling's going down. You're seeing your body healing. And then you're like, well, I'm just glad I made these changes. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a good point. Bravo, bravo, bravo. bravo. You, are, you are doing a good thing, sister. You she are is. Doing a good thing. <laughs> we, we appreciate you so much. And we do. As always lovely chatting with you and thank having you. you on the show. Yes, you too. Thank you. And thank you, Radia, for, for being with us and sharing all that great information. And again, I just want to remind our listeners that please call us on the SCAR hotline, one eight six six S C A R T L K. For any and every concern you can have, and we can also refer you out to the cosmetic therapist if we think that you need some mental therapy. We will, we will do that. Call us anytime with any questions. We're, we're, we'd love to hear from you. 